How to be in heaven now. Wow. I know that YouTube is the place to go for how-tos, but that's a pretty significant one. Yeah, pretty valuable. Probably right up there with how to tie a tie. But we're here. I mean, we're not in heaven. Don't you have to go to the other side? Well, our bodies are here, but our spirits are already on the other side. And with the right instructions, our spirits can start making that journey today. Oh, this probably has something to do with the first part of the title, right? Yeah, but don't give too much of it away right now. It's funny, but one of my first reactions is that we shouldn't do a show with the word repentance in the title. Because for so many people, it's become synonymous with self-deprecation or shame or something. It truly does have some baggage, but when you look at what it really is and the potential it has to improve people's lives, it's awesome. Right, it's actually this beautiful process. It's not about shame, it's about freedom. It's about an uplifting. Right. It's about happiness. Right. And the removal of monsters. What? Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg in Life. Today we're going to be talking about repentance. My name is Curtis Childs and I'm your host. And I'm here today as always with Swedenborg scholar Dr. Jonathan Rose. Thanks hey, so much for coming. We're going to start today with two commercials. Mm. I think I'm going to do mine first if that's okay. okay. All right. There are two primary enemies of the human race. They drain and divert so much of the potential happiness, peace, and fulfillment from our lives that they could truly be described as our greatest nemeses. Wait, and sorry, can, can we put your commercial on hold? I, I really want to start mine. I'm not done, though. Uh, I, I know, but I'm so excited about mine. Okay, all right, all right. Sure, you, oh, you can do yours. Oh, okay. Don't you want to get to heaven? Don't you want to see things as they really are? Don't you want deep wisdom and the clear, conscious love for all things that really is our birthright? Okay, okay, pause, pause, pause. I've got to do a little bit more of mine now. But I really want to keep going. Well, would it be weird if we did them at the same time? Okay, sure. All right, well, let's do it. The only way to resist and expel these monsters... The only way to reach this beautiful goal... Is, is repentance. repentance. Whoa, that was the same thing. Yeah, was that... Cheesy? Well, yeah, I think we can watch it in post, but I think it wasn't very good. Well, it doesn't matter because it's true. Mm. I mean, according to Swedenborg, anyway, repentance is key in both of these situations. Mm. And because it's so important, there are a lot of faith traditions talking about it. Really? Like Which ones? Well, like Judaism, Buddhism, Jainism, Islam, Confucianism, Seishonoye, Taoism, Hinduism, Baha'i, and Christianity all over the place. Well, so then, if everyone's talking about it, it's got to be relevant. And I was thinking about our commercials. They mm. could really be one, because the, the monsters are what's blocking the way to heaven. Mm. Yeah, and what are those monsters? Well, I'll tell you in part one. Just a warning as we begin here, it's going to get wordy. As in, there is going to be terminology popping up here. And this is going to be terminology that's quite religious sounding. And some people might interpret it as very heavy sounding. Uh, once you understand what Swedenborg means by these terms, I actually find it liberating and cool. But just in case, we're, we're, I just want to give you a little primer that there's terminology in your future. And some people, you might love it right when you see it. Either way, we're all going to get to the same conclusion. All right, so where was I? Right, two monsters, they're the two greatest drains 
on the happiness of the human race. And I was talking about them in the beginning. They have a very significant role to play. But what are these monsters? According to Swedenborg in True Christianity 5.33, he says, There are two loves that have been deeply rooted in the human race for a long time now. One, love for dominating everyone. Two, and a love for possessing everyone's wealth. So the, the monsters aren't creatures. They're motivations. They are things that possess the human heart. And you might say, oh, I don't have that, but they can show up in a whole spectrum of subtle ways. Swedenborg says all the little petty things we have are derivatives of that. So say I want to one-up somebody, right? That's a little bit of the love of dominion. When I get angry when somebody doesn't praise me like I think that they should or do something the way I want to do it, that's that monster getting at you. And on the other hand, the possessing everyone's wealth, it's just like, oh, I want the best place in line. Uh, you have that thing. I would like that. Any kind of, and just down the slippery slope into all kinds of gratification. And that's what I need. Swedenborg says that's at the root. And they can show up in, as I said, all different ways. That there are creatures that can camouflage themselves, but like all creatures, they need to live in habitat. And that habitat is inside us inside the the things we feel day to day and our purposes and the deeper things. So actually, even I can have them in myself sometimes, believe it or not. And here's a couple examples of how, uh, you know, and you'll see it with me here, but it, it can apply to anyone anytime, how potentially these monsters show up. Stuart, I got a great idea for a shot that we could do. We go outside, shoot me running through a field, and then in post, you change each blade of grass to be a different color. Uh, I love it, but maybe what we can do is we can uh, shoot you on a green screen, and then we can use some of our software to like, digitally put the grass in with different colors afterwards, because it would be a lot easier. Nah, I don't really want to do that. I want to go outside. That'll be fun. But do you have any idea how long it's going to take to rotoscope out all those little blades of grass? It's going to take, like, weeks. Come on. Outside. Hey Curtis, uh, I just went shopping for some snacks yesterday for the whole office and they're already gone. Uh, did someone take them? Nope, I, mean, I think people, people are just hungry, you know. Actually, I saw Dr. Jonathan Rose around the kitchen a lot yesterday, so I'm not saying it was him, but it could, you should go at least ask. Hey, listen, I do a lot of really important work around here. I gotta make sure that I don't run out. So there you have it. Devastating stuff. These two monsters are the essential opposite of heaven because heaven is rather than dominating everyone, a desire to enable everyone's happiness and let them be free and happy as they can be and to not be lording anything over people and to serve. And heaven is the opposite of that. That is why when these are in any of the, the jungle of our minds, that blocks the way to heaven. And the more we know about them, the more we can spot them, the more we can upbreed them and get them out of there. And we can actually learn a little bit about these monsters through contrast. Repentance is this key here, but we can learn first about what repentance isn't. This is from New Jerusalem 162. 
If all we do is make a blanket acknowledgement that we are sinners and declare ourselves guilty of all evils, but without examining ourselves, that is, seeing our own particular evils, we are making some kind of confession, but not a confession that leads to repentance. Since we do not know what our evils are, we live the same way afterward as before. And I see two things in that. One is, yeah, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I really shouldn't do that. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But then you don't change the behavior. You know, if you're on the other side of that, you're like, you're not sorry. You didn't change. So we have to really be looking at things. But also, this whole blanket, like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm guilty of everything. I'm no good. That's not helpful against the monsters, because that's what the monsters want. They want you to feel guilt all the time, and just to wallow in the guilt in this sort of self-focused thing, rather than the flip side, identifying particular things and working on them. That's not about you, it's about doing work. It's about actually getting rid of harmful things, and that's what they don't want you to do, because that would actually disrupt their life that they've set up in, in all of us in various ways. So Swedenborg gives a definition, the, the affirmative definition of repentance in TC True Christianity 528. Active repentance is examining ourselves, recognizing and admitting our sins, praying to the Lord, and beginning a new life. And there, sins, that's some terminologies. People, some people love that, some people have bad associations with it. We're going to get to the definition next part, but for now, just trust that we will. Uh, the point is that you can gather from that. It's living a, a new way. It's pushing away what's harmful and living into what is positive and good, which actually, that sounds pretty simple and it sounds pretty easy. We don't even need to actually finish out this whole show because I think that I could just do that right now. Okay, so you're already ready to try it out? Yeah. I mean, I think I've found something in me that is habitat for, for one of these mm. monsters. So on this show, I sometimes make fun of your love of language. Mm. And I'm sure that that's some kind of superiority thing in me. It's one of these monsters in some form, but I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to chop down that invasive plant. I won't make fun anymore. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that's good, because actually I have been all excited just lately about the ablative absolute. It, it's a Latin construction. Sounds um, cool. It, it's, it, it actually is pretty cool, because you get a noun and a participle that are both in the ablative case, and they modify each other, but they have no other relationship to anything else in the sentence, so they're just floating there. And so people, you have to conjecture, what are they doing there? Some of them play a sort of adverbial role, some of them are kind of locative, but whenever you find these two words in the ablative, you think, ah, there's an ablative absolute. Wow, that is absolutely boring. Oh. Ah. I couldn't stop myself. You tried but so hard. Why? Like I chopped it down. Why did it? Why did it grow back? Ah, uh, well, why do plants grow back? Okay, because the root is still in. Mm. Yeah, and Swedenborg emphasizes this is why we have to sort of keep at. You're not going to be perfect at it the first time. You got to keep at it. He says in New Jerusalem 169. After we've examined ourselves, acknowledged our sins, and repented of them. We must, for the rest of our lives, remain constant in our devotion to doing what is good. This is also related to what Jesus says about taking up your cross daily and following him. But how do you do that? We'll find out in part two. So we need to start with some definitions. That repentance is all about getting rid of sin, uh, but that's kind of a loaded word, and a lot of us have baggage around that word, as Curtis was saying. And and um, so what exactly is 
sin? Is it just like, oh, I'm a, you know, we're all sinners from head to toe. We've all fallen short of the glory and so on. Um, yeah, but there's more to it than that. What is Swedenborg's definition of sin? Let's look at, have a look at True Christianity 525 here. The evil that is sinful is simply evil against our neighbor. And evil against our neighbor is also evil against God, which is what sin is. It's doing harm. It's things that actually harm other people and are wrong to them. That's what makes, it's not some arbitrary definition of like, I don't like it when you do this or that, says God. Uh, No, it's because it hurts people. That's what the definition is. All right, uh, so what do you do with your sin then? What are we supposed to do? Well, one of the first things that Swedenborg talks about is what's called confessing sins. Well, again, is that sort of religious terminology? What does that involve? Let's look at New Jerusalem 160. Confessing sins is to recognize things that are evil, see them within ourselves. And that's interesting to me. So the recognize is I think just in the abstract that you've you've read scripture or you've heard a sermon or something like that and you recognize, okay, that's evil. Yes, I see that that's wrong. But then you got to take another step, which is to see it within yourself. Then you realize, oh, wow, I'm, that's a little harder. It's much easier to see it when other people do it than to see it in ourselves. Then we see them within ourselves, acknowledge them which I think is just sort of admitting, like first you see it, then you say, yep, I guess that's it. Accept that we are at fault and condemn ourselves because of them. Now that word condemn could be difficult, but we'll talk about that in a second. When this is done in the presence of God, it is confessing our sins. So I think it's talking about you bring God close, you you picture God with you, and then you're laying this out. But what about that word condemn? Again, that sounds so harsh. Like, do you really, you know, is it like beating yourself up? Well, Curtis was just talking about the fact that it's not necessarily the same as feeling guilty. Uh, Swedenborg talks in other passages about contrition, which comes from a Latin root at the risk of <laughs> getting cur- activating Curtis's issues. Uh, contrition comes from the idea of grinding yourself down. And that's not it. it it's, not a, it's not an exercise in beating yourself up. Uh, I think it's more about the acknowledgement that, you know, that is really from hell. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. You know, that's not that's not good. That, that, that really is evil. So these two are just preparation for repentance. So let's get into an extended definition here and look at this for a bit about what all is involved in repentance. After we have confessed our sins in this way and have prayed for forgiveness with a humble heart, repenting is to stop doing them. That's the key element there. And to lead a new life that follows the principles of caring and faith. And Swedenborg goes on in a number just a little later than that. Saying that we repent, but not changing the way we live, is no repentance at all. Our sins are not forgiven when we say repent. They're forgiven when we change our lives. Swedenborg explains that there's a kind of blanket forgiveness that comes from God all the time on all of us. 
so that's always there. The Lord always forgives us. He always understands. But how we receive the forgiveness is that when we actually change our life, then you start to cash in on that forgiveness because your situation is different. As long as we're still coming from that negative place, we're going to keep getting the same results we got before. So, and why would we go to all that? It sounds pretty intense. You examine yourself. You got to admit it. You, you've, you've noticed that that's really evil, what you've been doing, and you're turning your whole life around and everything. So what, what do we get? Just we sort of feel squeaky clean or something? What's the benefit? Well, Swedenborg talks about amazing benefits that come out of going through this process. He gives us a little list that we've kind of, you know, gathered together from different passages here. He says that repentance is the only way. He emphasizes that again and again. It's the only way to gain true faith. Wow. True faith. You mean it's not just a choice of believing or thinking this or that, but you actually recognize you know, that this is the way things are, that all that was standing in the way, and now you can have true faith, that's huge. That's really, really huge. Genuine goodwill, meaning you actually have a good feeling in your heart about other people. You actually wish them well. You feel bad when things don't go well for them. You feel good when, when they get some blessing, even if you thought you were going to get it, they get it, and you actually appreciate that. And you feel goodwill for people who are not, uh, you know, part of your immediate group or your, you know, your fan club or something, uh, but people from, from everywhere and anywhere. And number three would be removal of evil, and that's the core thing, like, that, that's so great that going through this process can actually move that stuff aside in ourselves. And finally, the creation of the church within us. Now, what is that word church? Is that another buzzword? What exactly does that mean? Uh, let's look at a definition that Swedenborg puts out here. As we go through the early stages of our lives, there are many things that prepare us for the church— and introduce us into it. But acts of repentance are the things that actually produce the church within us. Swedenborg even talks in some passages about the fact that we become a church in least form. And that happens, that, that doesn't happen until we start going through these acts of repentance. So it's worth it to go through this. Uh, it's, a, it's a process and it can be intense, especially the first time or two that you go through it. Uh, but it's so worth it. The benefits on the other side are huge. And this is the only way to get those things. There's no way, there's no way to sort of cheat or go around and, and you know, skip that step or something. It, it, it's really important. Swedenborg also says that in this examination of what we're looking at, one basic thing is just to sort of look at the things that you've done in your life, you know, look back on the past or, or, and, and just really be honest with yourself about what's going on there. But Swedenborg says it's deeper even than that because he says there's some things that can lurk in our spirits uh, that maybe for various reasons we've never acted out that thing, but it's still kind of an intention that lurks inside us. Look at New Jerusalem 164. If we are practicing self-examination in order to repent, it is important that we examine our thoughts. Wow, not just our actions, but our thoughts and the intentions of our will. Wow, okay, our thoughts and the intentions of our So this is really going inward. And note what we would do if we could get away with it. I think that's so awesome. 
uh, it's so well put. A great sort of, you know, these great thinkers in the past did these thought experiments. It's kind of a thought experiment with yourself of like being honest with myself. If nobody saw and I could totally get away with it, what would we do? Swedenborg explains. That is, if we had no fear of the law or of losing our reputation, our job or our wealth, those are natural kind of constraints that keep us from acting out. Um, but if that was all removed, what would we do that we actually really think is okay? Uh, you know, other people may frown on it, but we think it's fine and we love it and we like to do it. Our evils live in our will, Swedenborg goes on. That is the source of all the evil things we do physically. Therefore, if we do not search out evils in our thoughts and our will, we'll be unable to repent. Because afterward, we'll have the same thoughts and intentions as we had before, and intending evils is the same as doing them. This, therefore, is what self-examination entails. So you remember Curtis talking about that root there and how these things keep springing up from it. Swedenborg actually compares this process to a root and says that you can cut off the, the whole tree down to a stump, but if the root is still there, not only will that tree come back, but a whole bunch of trees will come around. You know, they'll come up right up out of the roots because you got to get to that root. And if you've ever tried to get a plant out that's been in there for a couple of years, you know that that is a lot. Work. Mm, that's right. So I want to kind of go on a little tangent, but hopefully an important one here, to look at the human God. Because mm. uh, one of Swedenborg's threads we've been following in this show is in the book True Christianity, and there he is speaking within the context of the Christian Trinity, says it's important to approach Jesus the person. Mm. Now, we already did a show explaining Swedenborg's take on the Trinity, and we've done shows about Swedenborg's explanation of how Jesus, how he differs from what traditional Christianity has thought and how it's similar. So we're not going to get into that here, but why does he think approaching the human manifestation of God is so important? Well, I think we see an answer most clearly in True Christianity 538. It says, this in talking about Jesus, this is why he came into the world and make it, made himself able to be seen, accessible, and available for partnership. He did this for only one reason, so that human beings could be saved. If we do not direct our thinking toward God as a human being, our whole mental sight of God is lost. It collapses like our eyesight when we send it out into the universe. Instead of God, we see empty nothingness or nature as a whole or certain objects within nature. Okay. All right. I, I could get that. So it's got to be something that you can relate to and understand. And I think about the way that we live our whole lives developing relationships with human beings. We're writing this mm. software in our mind of how to interact with a person, how to think about them, how to care about them, and then ultimately to be able to share goals and, and plans and things with them. So we're doing that same kind of thing with God here, that, that if we use that model, that that's something we can really uh, interface with, that, oh, I, I okay, God is a person that, that cares about me and cares about things, and we can care about something together, that that's a more potent, uh, that's something much more potent than just like, okay, I have my instructions. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a little bit like uh, sometimes you struggle with a problem on your own or something, and, and then you go to a, a doctor or a therapist or somebody, and you got another human being who's yeah. interested in how you're doing, oh, I want to help, you're trying to quit smoking, or whatever it is, and you're sharing that with another 
person. It, yeah. it just it completely changes your consciousness about it and gives you more persistence to carry on. And that's cool to think that we're doing, we're having a little sit down with God all the time. And then we've mm. got like, let's get this, let's get this stuff done. Yeah, so, that's right. Now, everybody out there, I said before that with the terminology we're using in this episode, it's, it's a little bit intense. And probably by now it sounds like this repentance thing to partner with God and mm. all is, is a lot to ask of us, but it's actually, yeah. it's not that bad. It's not that hard. Really? Yeah. And I can prove it in part three. So it's not as hard as it might sound. We're not trying to give you an impossible task. There's no way the divine would assign us something that we can't accomplish. And really, just like with trying to achieve physical health, it's about practice, not perfection. I see regeneration is kind of leading us to spiritual health and everything to do with physical health. We know it's just about keep doing it, keep at it, keep trying. You, you exercise is not a one-time thing. Eating right is not a one-time thing. We got to work. We got to work until it becomes more and more of something that's intrinsic to the way we approach life. And what's really important, if we're going to get into any kind of conversation about look at your evils or our tendency toward evil, is the difference between shame and regret. That hell, Swedenborg says, wants to accuse people and surround them in shame. You think about, oh, I've done this terrible thing. I'm this kind of person. I had an impulse towards this. I'm terrible. And they want to just kick up these clouds around you that basically keep you focused on yourself in a, in a way that causes you misery. That's what hell is trying to do. What we want is not shame, but some good, healthy regret. Right, where you actually are taking the things that ha- you have done and rather than justifying them because they're yours and saying like, oh, well, you know, that guy had it coming or, or I had a good reason for doing it. They really say, that's that I don't want to, that to be part of how the human race acts towards each other. And knowing like, that is not the way I really want to be when I think about what's, the, what's the, the true and good way to live life. So it's taking what was shame around us and making it almost like fertilizer on the ground. Swedenborg says that, that it actually there's a correspondence that, that evil things that, that poop and stuff correspond to can grow new life if they're down and we realize it's not something we should be living by, but something we can learn from. It's about learning and moving, not about making ourselves feel bad. However, it's not shame versus nothing, it's shame versus regret, because we do want to have some kind of regret, some kind of looking, some kind of work at this stuff, because if we don't put in any work, we're not going to notice where we need that work put in. This is from True Christianity 564. The evil that we do not see, recognize, or admit to stays with us. And what stays with us becomes more and more firmly established until it blocks off the inner areas of our minds. This is why evil ain't good, because you need those inner areas of your mind. That's where heaven comes in. That's where God comes in. That's where the best stuff in life connects with us. And so if we block that off, then we're missing out on so much of the potential experience, let alone the harm we could do. So we're trying to help you out. We're we're not here to... to, um, cause problems. We're here to hopefully be part of, of solutions. But it may seem overwhelming, all this stuff, but it's actually not. This is True Christianity 5.23. People who, through repentance, have laid aside some evils that are sins, though, develop a resolve to believe in the Lord and to love their neighbor. They are held by the Lord in a resolution to abstain from many other things as well. So if we just go after a couple things, there's heavenly help to get us on track in other areas. Therefore, it happens that because they did not realize what was going on, or because they were overwhelmed by desire, they, they do commit a sin. If it does happen, it is not held against them. It was not something they had planned to do, and they did not support what they did. So it's not like, I made this decision, I'm going to repent, I better never 
mess up for the rest of my life. If we make the fundamental shift to say, I want to try to not harm people in life, that's enough. Because then then our primary goal, the, the essence of our mind and our purpose has shifted. And even if we end up doing things that we wouldn't have wanted to do or that we didn't realize we were doing or something, it does, it's okay because the purpose is set. So, you know, God and anyone else is saying, that's all right. We're gonna, that's just a hiccup rather than your mode of life. So don't feel like, okay, I'll get around to it when I can be perfect in it. It's all about trying, trying, making mistakes, but eventually forming a habit making it habitual to at least make an effort in that direction. Of course, God is doing the work, and we're not expected to be perfect. So just working towards making it a habit, and we'll get plenty of help. And speaking of help, we actually have resources, if you feel like, oh, this is a journey I'd like to take. The first I want to point out is beginanewlife.info. That phrase, begin a new life, comes from Swedenborg when he's describing the process of repentance. And that's put together by the Reverend Mark Pendleton, and it is the taking of Swedenborg's idea of repentance and completely making it user-friendly. He's actually got worksheets and courses and schedules and all this cool stuff in there, and I've seen him give a talk on it. It's amazing what he's done with even taking the way certain things are phrased and giving you mantras you can say to yourself. Very cool, very worth checking out. Swedenborg Foundation has resources as well. If you go to Swedenborg.com, you can get the book, The Joy of Spiritual Growth, Real Encounters, by Frank Rose with Bob Maginal. And this is another way that that they've distilled and given you something that can be a tool in this journey. And it's a journey that we're all trying to take and leads us to somewhere that's totally worth going. I've really found this practice important for myself. I, you know, I set aside a couple of times a year where I'll just take a morning or something like that and reflect on these things. But it's amazing how it kind of stays with me. And sometimes when I'm getting ready to, to go through that process, an issue will kind of helpfully surface in a couple of weeks <laughs> before. Not that I'm lacking in issues, but right. it's sort of like, oh, this is up right now kind of thing. You know, so it's like the process is helping me along or something. So it's it's been important to me. I, I would uh, recommend it. I don't know if I'm doing it perfectly, you know, but it seems to work anyway, even if you yeah. don't do it, quote unquote, right. Well, hopefully the bar's not too high because yeah. I, I try my own little way and, and I like the, the concept of it and I like doing it. And especially when I can remember to do it and, and to and how to do it, mm-hmm. uh, so so that we can try to remember everything we've learned today about it. Let's uh, solidify our minds with, with a Sounds recap. Great. The two creatures blocking us from the happiness and peace of heaven are the love of having power over others and the love of possessing the wealth of others. There is an antidote to them called repentance, but in order for us to access it, we have to recognize in particular the things we need to work on and commit to a long-term project with it. By deliberately not engaging in things that are harmful to others, also called sins, we can develop the true faith needed for God to begin connecting us to heaven through the spiritual mechanisms we were called the church. Two crucial steps are examining not just our actions, but our intentions and approaching God as a relatable person. It's serious work, but it shouldn't sound too daunting. Rather than get caught up in shame, if we can take a look with an optimistic desire to get spiritually healthy, even taking one step in the right direction can bring about change. Swedenborg tells us that if we set ourselves against one harmful thing, God helps us push back against all of them. It gets easier the more we make it a habit, and there are plenty of good resources to help. Mm. So 
that's our show. I hope you guys felt like you were learning something. Uh, I, I did, as always. Do you have any, any closing thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I guess my closing thought would be that, um, you know, Swedenborg says that people find this sort of painful and difficult the first time through, but it gets easier as they go along. And even, he even talks about that for some people it can become a kind of daily thing, just part of their daily walk. He says in New Jerusalem 163, if we're leading a life of caring and faith, we repent every day. We reflect on the evils in ourselves, acknowledge them, take precautions against them, and pray to the Lord for help. You see, on our own, we're constantly falling down. But the Lord is constantly raising us up and leading us toward goodness. This is our state if we devote our lives to doing good. Yeah, and I like that. Um, the first sentence you can kind of read a couple of ways. Yes, I feel like. that's you right. Can, if, if we devote our life to, to faith and caring, then we're repenting, it could be like, oh, if you want to have that kind of life, of course you do this. Or it's like, if you're living that way with love and, and trying to be good, you're already in the process of, of doing this repentance right. every right. day, right? It's sort of a purification going on just in your day by day. As you see thoughts arise, you think, oh, no, that that's not good. That's evil. And, just yeah. just like this, yeah, the simple thing, like, well, that's not, I wouldn't, if someone was thinking that about me, I wouldn't like it. Like just a little, right. a little bit of like, no, we're going to, we're going to clean up our act here. That's, that's it. And he really does stress. He even talks about in other places, just once a month or something, if you engage in something like that, yeah. you'll notice a You'll notice a, a big difference. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to get to your question uh, in a little bit. But first, as always, I'm going to give some thank yous from the middle here. As always, thank you, everyone, for watching this show and getting this far in it. Congratulations. If you can stick to watching this show, you can surely stick to, to Repentance. It should be easy after that. If you want to help us get out into the web, please like and subscribe. That makes a big deal to us here on YouTube. And if you want to make the show possible from its very roots up, uh, consider joining us on Patreon. It's just a dollar per episode, a pledged gift from you, and then we give you a little thanks, which is behind-the-scenes stuff, which is sometimes breaking news, as it is in, in this week's installment. We have Dr. Jonathan Rose actually making a discovery of a lost manuscript of Swedenborg's. It's something that Swedenborg had said he was going to write, but everyone thought he never quite wrote it, but we may have found it tucked away in another one of his works. So fascinating stuff. Be on the cutting edge, and really, I mean, it's just about knowing that you helped make this whole thing possible. All right, as is the custom, we're going to do a question related to our previous show, which mm. we just released one called, Is It Safe to Talk to Spirits? Mm. And we got this question in from Gonda, which says, What do you all think about the hype for ghost hunting? I find it very dangerous to try opening the other realm because you never know what you get. People doing it mostly think it's all friendly, and I seriously doubt that. It worries me because a lot of kids are doing it out of curiosity without realizing they could be playing with fire. Now, mm. hype for ghost hunting, I'm assuming that we're talking a little bit about, is it, what is it, Discovery Channel or Destination America? There's all these ghost hunter shows where you, like, go into a ghost house yeah, yeah, and, like, that's right. you have these cameras, that night vision cameras, and what was that, what was that? That sort of thing, is it is it becoming cool? So, uh, did you have any initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree about the, the danger there, as we were talking about in that show. And I do think, it's something that's, I think kind of intrinsically appealing to a lot of young people, particularly that you think, oh, this is cool. That's mysterious. And it's part of sort of exploring what yeah. uh, what life is all about, but not realizing, oh, no, this is this is really serious stuff. And you don't want to be 
messing with these people. You know, I appreciate the fact that people are interested in spiritual things. I was very interested in spiritual things when I was a teenager, yeah. reading books and, you know, just, just trying to figure this stuff out. Um, so I get that uh, interest level. Um, but it really, you know, I've heard some some bad stories, like some bad stuff or people even feeling like their house sort of got sort of haunted. They had right. a d- difficult time getting rid of this evil spirit once it was kind of invited in, you know? And you want, yeah, because you're trying to find a balance of you want people to be curious. Right. Right. And, and explore the world. And yeah, as you say, explore spiritual kind of things and, and m- make their own decisions. But then, right, how much is it? Because as we mentioned in the beginning of that the Talk to Spirit show, there's no quality control. Like, no, how dangerous right. is ghost hunting? Well, because the, the people who would measure stuff like that think ghost hunting is a joke, right? Yeah, that's and right. And I've never ghost hunted, I don't, but they, they think it's not real. But, but it, you could, couldn't you, like, take a kind of poll? Like, the people who go out on these kind of expeditions, first of all, do they actually lead to anything? When, when I, I haven't really watched right. the show as much, but I, I sort of think, like, they're never going to find anything. They're never going to find anything. Right. But do they actually, do people actually have paranormal experiences more often when they're seeking it out? But then also, how many people, you know, it have to be self-reported, but how many people regret doing that later on? Like, do you actually feel like, oh, this, this did somehow introduce me into something that that is is negatively affecting me because you know you will get people who write into our channel and say like i've been i've my life is been seriously degraded by what i feel like is some kind of evil presence right Right. and and can you pick so i've we have such a lack of nobody's like figuring out is it is it safe or not right yeah and and so like so I, i feel like that's that's the problem is that there's a lot of interest and but yet the people who would build the frameworks around it probably think ah it's it's not really real yeah and you're not getting much teaching about like here's here's what to do or whatever you know which is what we're trying to supply in this show yeah it's also striking me historically that in the 19th century in the u.s there was uh, a lot of interest in spiritism right. and the knocking on the table. Is that like all, all this kind of that, stuff. Yeah. There were there were a, a bunch of different, the seer of Poughkeepsie, Andrew Jackson Davis, and other. there was a lot of interest in that kind of thing. But um, uh, And then it got kind of debunked or it was associated with charlatanism or something like that. And the they world was kind of turned the away from that. Yeah, yeah, that's what, at least some of that stuff, you know, yeah. like, who knows whether some was legit or something, but it, it seemed like society turned away from that. Like, oh no, that's sort of child's play. And, and yeah. you know. So now we're um, left with a sort of a vacuum. Yeah. But but renewed interest, but but uh, the, as to whether it's, uh, yeah, the, the whole show we just did is sort of indicating that just like it would be like you going right going to an, a city and like let's play around at night in a neighborhood we don't know it, you could be just fine it could yeah. end really bad you you don't right know. So. the way i come away from swedenborg's teachings is just thinking that um it, it, uh, don't think so much about uh, spirits or ghost hunting it's like the angels are the one you want to be talking to you know what i mean oh, yeah. you want to get hooked up with heaven because heaven yeah. can give you good advice can really guide you in your life and and yeah you know so uh, that's what you want to get hooked i on. don't want to hunt angels like uh, ghosts are cooler that's the problem <laughs> we got to work on this show to hype up angels because they, right. they they have a reputation for being a little bit goody goody you right. know so we'll see what we can do about that maybe we'll do something. a show in the future like hey kids angels are so cool Something like that. Okay, how could that go wrong? Everybody, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and and that's what we have for today. Always a pleasure. That's our show. Thanks so much again for being the audience that that makes this possible. And next week, we're going to be back, 
same time, and we're going to be looking at sensory substitution, which is this cool scientific finding that may offer us a physical correspondence for how God's divine providence makes it so that no matter what our situation in life, our circumstances, we all have the chance to develop a full and healthy spirit. So hope to see you then. Thanks for watching. Swedenborgan Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.